Michelle. And I'm Lucy. Welcome to another episode of Tudoriferous special episode. The Christmas episode. Christmas. So happy Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas in Canada. And Merry Christmas in England and <laughs> other countries as well. Well, it's just funny that it's Happy Christmas and Merry Christmas. Yeah, we say Merry. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I've only ever heard Happy Christmas from you. Well, you can say either, but usually it's Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Either way, have a wonderful Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah, we've got Christmas weather today, but I should say we are recording this a little bit early. So if it turns out to be the hottest Christmas on record, <laughs> I'm sure thinking, why have they got Christmas weather? <laughs> Think back a couple of weeks and you'll remember it got quite nippy. <laughs> yes, it is very cold here too. Lots of ice. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, we got frost. The nice lady on my phone said it was going to it was become beautiful sunshine at 10 o'clock. And then again, when I looked at 10 o'clock, she said no, at uh, 12 o'clock. And then next time it was three o'clock. Oh. <laughs> and now it's getting dark and it's still foggy. <laughs> so, never mind. It meant that I've been able to read all day in the warmth. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Snuggling with the animals. Yeah. Reading a cup of hot chocolate or tea beside you. Yeah, I've yeah. got the fire going. Yeah. Lovely. A real fire, lovely. not like Grim Reading and they're, they're, they're <laughs> fake <laughs> fire. <laughs> well, today we thought we would ask each other questions. It's a sort of quiz, but not a quiz where we really expect each other to know, know the, the answer. answer. No. <laughs> we won't be t- keeping score. And it's mainly just a, a means of chatting about interesting things we've come across. Yes, things that don't fit into the episodes hmm. for whatever reason. So, shall I ask you the first question? Sure. Okay. Number one. At the wedding of Henry the Seventh and Elizabeth, what could you have seen possibly for the first time in England? <laughs> that was one of my <laughs> questions. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fireworks. We did not plan this together. (laughs) We did have an extra question just in case of emergencies. (laughs) Like this one. Unless it turns out we've got chosen all the same. Fireworks, yes. Um, Yeah, I found out that they probably were in England since the 13th century, but the wedding was the first documented use of them. Yes. And it was supposed to be such a spectacle that people were actually afraid. So I Mm. guess they went really overboard. And then my next question is, is what were they like? Are Were they like what we have? I don't know if you know. In BC, we have like a festival of lights off of Vancouver. There are barges that are out in the harbor and they set off fireworks to match music. Mm. So we end up with this amazing show. But I, I wonder if they did that because I know they did at Elizabeth, one of Elizabeth's parties with the Earl of Leicester. Yes, Robert. I came across that, yes, because the wind got up and sprayed the village, a neighbouring village with sparks and set fire to it. set fire to it. But they had an orchestra playing. (laughs) Well, not an orchestra, but they had musicians playing to the fireworks. So I wonder if they did the same thing with Elizabeth and Henry. Because that Mm. really would have been a spectacle. It really would. I wonder if they were anywhere near as impressive as they are now, or whether they're just a bit sort of damp squib, really, in comparison. (laughs) I don't, I really don't know. Yeah. Do I, you know what? who is the largest consumer of fireworks today? 
Sounds like the teenager's outside my house right now, but no, I don't. <laughs> Disney. Disney gets through an oh, awful lot of fireworks. Oh, yeah, because they have them yeah. for Halloween, Christmas, every couple of Fridays or something. Yeah, they get through a lot, don't they? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I got my question in before you got yours in. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, okay. Hit me with yours. Then. Okay. How did, during this specific time, we're talking about Henry VII's era, how did the government and people acknowledge who owned what property? Well, they didn't have deeds, I don't think. No. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I've no idea. It is the strangest thing I have ever run into and i found this in the past in letters the only way they can determine property because you're right they don't have deeds and even the term property didn't exist until about henry the eighth's time and it was proprietus it was latin before then ownership and property wasn't really a thing so they went with who had the longest tenure in that location they would investigate by interviewing all of the people in the neighborhood that's why you get things like, well, I was just reading the Paston letters, and a duchess moved into one of their homes and said it was hers because she lived there. Mm. So then they had to go interviewing all the villagers and all of the farmers to determine who actually had lived there the longest. So it was, you know, a succession of people living there, and it's the person who'd lived there the longest. Could, the longest got. Yeah, so if you could prove your family had been living there for decades, even if you didn't own it before those decades and you forcefully took it over, that now became your property. Ridiculous. (laughs) Your family built it. Somebody else moved in and they were stronger than you so you couldn't get back in and now they owned it. That's how they got it. There, Mm. There were a lot of castles and homes that were contested because of that. Yeah, well, no way. It was a very litigious time as well. So no yeah. wonder it's so litigious when there was nothing to actually grab hold of and show somebody and say, look, this is mine. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Ah. So you can see where intimidation got in there because whoever was yeah. the stronger one could threaten all of their tenants. And so the tenants... tell them I've lived here for 57 years. Yes. Did you only just moved it? No, I'll tell them. Yep. Yeah. Did you want to keep your crops? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to stay living in your home? Would you like to stay living? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm wondering whether to do my next question. I don't think you're going to like it. I chose it because it was Christmassy. Well, then let's go for it. Okay. All right. Why, why is St. Nicholas associated with children? See, that sounds perfectly innocuous. <laughs> I typed it in in good faith. It really thinking, doesn't. This will be nice. <laughs> <laughs> with with your provisor at the beginning, I'm worried about this. I don't know. I would like to think it's because he took care of children, got them educated, set up an orphanage, something really nice. But I'm guessing it's not. He did take care of children. Okay. <laughs> I'm beginning to regret this. He was said to have saved three little girls from prostitution by providing them with dowries, so that's nice. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. But more famously, there's a miracle of the three little boys (laughs) 
who'd been murdered, dismembered and stored in a barrel by an evil butcher. Oh my goodness! Nicholas made the sign of the cross over the barrel and the boys came back to life. Hopefully they were put back together again and didn't just come back to life as is. <laughs> That's just gruesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a typical medieval story. (laughs) (laughs) But the Catholic website I got this story from went on to say that this was later disproved. I'm not sure how it was disproved or even proved. (laughs) But there is a poem uh, by Gerard de Naval. And it goes, there were three little boys, very poor. They went to the fields a gleaning. At night they came to the butcher's house. For a lodging, we beg thee, good butcher. Yes, little boys, it doesn't rhyme. Yes, little boys, come in, come in. There's room for you, assuredly. They had no sooner entered the house when the butcher, the cruel, killed. he killed them. He killed them and he cut them into slices. In the salting tub he kept them like pork. Butcher, butcher, do not run away, but pray God he may forgive thee. Then St Nicholas, he went to the tub. He held up three fingers and said, My little boys who sleep beneath, I am the great Sir Nicholas. I command you, awake, awake. The little ones, they get up quick. So there you go. That is the heartwarming story of why we why we have Saint Nicholas as our wow. Father Christmas. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Very different. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Tudor Christmas. Oh, man. <laughs> They're not so bad after that. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm going to give an explanation of directions from a doctor to a woman to prevent medical complications. Right. And you're going to tell me for what. Ah, I've got a question a little bit like that, but not exactly like that. So, okay. Okay. So he provided a regimen for her Mm -hmm. and she was told not to walk at midday or when it was hot or cloudy and never to walk with a full stomach or do anything at a fast pace. Don't sleep during the daytime. Avoid swift changes of temperature. Abstain from eating sweet milk and cheese. What would you think that would be preventative for? Well, I assume it's going to be something reproductive. Because that's what women do in these things, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you hear about women do. <laughs> Um, so is it to avoid miscarriage? No, it's to avoid the plague. The plague? That apparently will prevent you from getting the plague. Well, why did so many people get plague then? If it was so easy to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, what all you had thinking? to do was that. <laughs> when I first started reading that, I was like, oh, great, she must be pregnant. And they're like, this was all to avoid the plague. What? <laughs> right, well. It's worth knowing. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps we ought to put that out on the website just so we, people, people can know. <laughs> yes. If you want to avoid the plague, follow these, this advice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I have avoided plague so far, but that's so probably I. just coincidental. Yes. Although I do walk when it's hot and dry. Mm. But I mean, how can Don't you I... not walk if it's hot or cloudy yeah. and not walk at midday? At this, if you were in BC, you'd never walk. It's always cloudy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yes. <laughs> I should say in the Fraser Valley. The Fraser Valley. Hard pressed to step outside. Yes. Here. 
Never walk outside when it's cloudy. Oh, stuck inside again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's just odd. Okay, my next one mm-hmm. is short and sweet. What is a Rauschpfeiffer? I have no idea. I will demonstrate, but I won't demonstrate well. Okay. Sorry about that. That's what it is. Rob bought me that for last Christmas because um, I like to play medieval music on my recorder. And that's a medieval, a real proper, you know, if you play it properly, you get that really lovely, slightly really ratchet, ratchety yeah. um, medieval sound. Um, unfortunately, I can't play it. I can't, get, I can't get a decent sound out of it. And I've tried many times. <laughs> so is that the instrument called that or is that the player? That's the instrument. That's the instrument. And it comes from the old German for reed pipe. That is so cool. Yeah, it's a wooden double reed instrument. It was popular in the medieval and early modern times. The reed is enclosed in the wind cap, which means it's oh, okay. stuck, stuck in the bottom part of it. If you imagine taking taking the mouthpiece off, you, you're left with the, the reed in the other bit, which did confuse us to start with. We were trying to shove it through the hole that you, yes. you just blew into. <laughs> Well, that's like how a clarinet. clarinet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they come in all sizes. They're from soprano to bass. I don't know what size that is. I should imagine it's a tenor. Tenor, I was thinking. Yeah, you can see one in a woodcut in the woodcut of the triumphal procession that was commissioned by our good friend Maximilian. That's cool. You better practice a lot because next year I'll make you make Christmas music on it. Okay. Fair <laughs> well, people have just heard it. I don't think they're going to be wanting me to make Christmas. <laughs> It's incredibly loud as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, that's got a plastic reed in it now. The the that's natural cool. reed is much much louder, but it's it says do not play this if you suffer from high blood pressure, <laughs> and I can imagine why because you go like Dizzy Gillespie, your face wow. goes bright red, your cheeks go out. It's it's quite um, it's really hard work <laughs> to play. <laughs> So when I got the plastic one, I suddenly thought, oh, I can make some noise. That's why they called it a rude instrument, was because of the look of the face on the player. Ah. Who was it who said he didn't want to play the flute because it... Oh, I know what it was. Yeah, I was listening to um, So You Think You Can Rule Persia podcast about Alcibiades, and he didn't want to play the flute because it made him look funny. So, yeah, I can imagine this similar with the (laughs) Rausch (laughs) Pfeiffer. Yeah. That's cool. My turn. What is a livelud? A what? A livelud. 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 Yes. L i v e l o l d e. Well, I've right, found it five or all six the different spellings. <laughs> But it's pronounced liverload. Mm. Load as in lodestone? Something magnetic? No. no. I can't even, nope. apart from that, I can't even find any parts of the word to latch anything onto. No, I've no idea. Go <laughs> <laughs> on, then hit me with it. <laughs> Livelihood. It's specifically re- referred to a property 
that provided with you with the basic needs of life. Okay. So for a farmer, it was his rental holding. For a merchant, it would be his store. So basically livelihood. And it did morph into livelihood. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Live load. <laughs> right, my next one. Where does the term to toast someone come from when you raise your glass? To say happy Christmas. Oh, please don't tell me it's from burning people at the stake. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's not anything. <laughs> I made a big mistake once. People were toasting each other in vodka. I wasn't. I don't drink vodka. <laughs> Horrible stuff. And so I secretly looked up <laughs> on my phone what what Russian for to toast was. So I asked. I just typed in Russian toast. Well, it turns out it's not at all what I was expecting. And I'm not going to say what it was because it's something <laughs> thoroughly obscene. <laughs> People are welcome to look oh, it up if they wish. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, not very nice. And I can't quite believe that anybody does that. But anyway, so back to the nice happy Christmas bit. Where does it come from to toast somebody? <laughs> I don't I don't know. You're saying it's Christmas. Well, I'm not necessarily. Uh, well, a little after Was Christmas. It just praising your guests or thanking people for gifts. I don't know. It comes from wassailing. And you, uh, it comes from the wassail bowl, which was a communal oh, bowl. And you put the toast, right. The toast that you put the toast in, you fill it with hot ale, apples, spice and spices and sugar, which just sounds really scrummy. Then, yeah, at the bottom of the bowl was the crust of bread, and people would take turns drinking from the wassail bowl. And when it was finished, the crust of bread was presented to the highest ranking per person at the meal. Here you go, have this bit of soggy oh. bread. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's spinners in. Yum. Yes. <laughs> So that's oh. that's why we toast people, possibly. Yes, I mean, I think there I think there might be other possible uh, possible answers, but that's one of the. That's a good one. one. Of the ideas. Yeah, in farmers, I do like would, the sound of it. Yes, farmers bread, would wassail their crops or their trees, and the toast was then spread about on the crop or placed in the tree. Yeah, yeah, we do yeah. we do wassailing with my ukulele group. We go and play yeah. at an orchard and wassail, oh, and then there's a yeah, mulled wine and a big bonfire. Mm. <laughs> I rewrote um, the song Space Oddity with um, <laughs> changing, changing the words to just lots of uh, Somerset apples. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we always sing that one. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> My turn. Okay, your turn. <laughs> this is something we never, ever hear about at Tudor courts. They're never mentioned. What okay. is a necessary woman? Does she take away the chamber pots? Yes, she does. Oh, she does. <laughs> right. She does. And it's always a woman. And it's no. always, that's her only job. And if you think yeah. about it, there are hundreds, sometimes over a thousand people at court. Oh, yes. I was thinking that's quite a cushy number because, you, you know, how often are you going to have to do it? But you're going to do it all the time. Yes. 
all the time and you're not allowed to leave it there because of the stench. So yeah. she would follow people around. But she, what I also found interesting is there are some mentions that at court, whenever the king or queen was present, she was not supposed to be seen. Right. She was too lowly for them to look upon. <laughs> and he would have had his own groom of the stool as well. No, the groom of the stool did not do it. The necessary woman did it. He was there to hand the towel and and discuss things. But as soon hmm. as they left, the necessary woman would come in and clean the clothes stool. So the groom of the stool didn't actually do the cleaning. Uh, well, we'll find out next episode because we're going to meet a groom of the stool. Ooh. The next cameo episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right yes well that sounds like that sounds like one of um tony robinson's worst jobs in yes. history i think isn't it? i think that's probably an ultimate worst job because all you're doing there's no gloves you're emptying them uh, out into the jacks and then you have to clean them and bring them back for the next person to use yeah i mean that's i don't suppose you know this but are they left in handy places do people carry about their own i was Absolutely astonished when I started reading about this. So in the Tudor court, like many of the courts prior to this, there wasn't a bathroom. No. Some castles had a garter robe, which meant it was a hole in a tower where your clothing was above it, which stank them. But it was supposed to keep moths from eating the wool. Mm. Um, and those would empty out directly outside into the moat, which is why the moat, if you swam through it, you definitely get a disease. Yes. But when we're looking at the Tudor court, people are going to the bathroom everywhere. Half the time, they didn't even turn around. A chamber pot would be brought. They'd pee in it while people were talking and there, and then it would be taken away. Well, I suppose it's a much more sensible way of approaching something that everyone has to do, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't quite work out how we've got, we've, we've, we've done dismembered boys. Now we're on to people peeing all over the place. <laughs> This is our Christmas episode. Happy Christmas! <laughs> Let's talk about poop. <laughs> it's because it's when we talk about things that nobody talks about, it's probably because nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah, nobody interested. <laughs> oh, well, my next one's not too bad. Okay. Um, it's a multi parter question, this one. It's a, it's a little bit similar to the one you, you already did, but what would definitely be cured? by the following remedies. Okay. Sitting under a willow tree. Uh, nice easy one. If you've if you got willow trees, which we have. Pain? Uh, specific pain, yes. Headache? Headache, yeah. Aspirin comes from willow trees. Aspirin comes from willow. I don't know whether just sitting under it, you'd, you'd, no. you'd go to aspirin. I would have thought, really, it just becomes a sort of form of meditation. You go and sit somewhere quiet and your headache gets better, really. It doesn't really matter if it's a willow tree or what it is yeah. you go, go and sit under. You're not working heavily, causing your blood pressure to rise. You're just... Yeah, you've walked away from the children, said, you scream, <laughs> scream, scream, scream. I'm going to sit under a tree for five minutes. But it's inter I thought it was interesting that they ch they had chosen a willow tree, given that it does have properties to help with headache. Well, I think they would have known because, oh, which queen was it? She was encouraged to chew willow bark during her labor. Which mm. queen was that? Really bitter, I would have thought. Yeah, and there's there's actually not enough in willow bark. You have to distill it quite a bit to get to aspirin. 
So it wouldn't... Probably just to keep her quiet, something to bite on. <laughs> well, there is some pain relieving in there. It would, you, But you'd have to chew an awful lot of whirlberg. But they did know that you could do that. And they would boil it to get it faster. I don't know. Maybe they just assumed it was the willow itself was probably left over from medieval tradition mm. where there was a fairy that lived in a willow tree and she'd help take care of her if you're at it. Maybe, yeah. All oh. right, the second one. Take a live snail and rub its slime against it and <laughs> it will heal. I'm assuming a burn or a cut. A burn, a burn, burn yeah. Yeah. And it's still used. I looked up on Amazon. You can buy snail slime. They call it snail gel. Yeah. And it's an anti-inflammatory. And a numbing um, agent. Yeah. It's, it's a snail mu- mucin, mucin. Yeah. Um, which is still used to treat burns and radiation dermatitis. And it's also meant to have antioxidant properties as well. Mm-hmm. It's so. one of the reasons why they think babies eat snails and slugs. Both of them are, are like an a- anesthesia. It numbs their gums. So if your kid eat slugs. Do not eat slugs. No. That's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But that's why babies will snails, gravitate really. to it, apparently. I've known oh, of right. lots of children that were teething that would grab something like that and start chewing on it. Ew. Yeah. No, I don't remember any of mine mm. doing that. You don't let them do it because that's gross. But Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, the last one then. Okay, this next one. Take equal amounts of crop leek, and no one's sure whether that's either onion or leek, and garlic and pound them well together. Take equal amounts of wine and bull's gall and mix them with onion and garlic. Bull's gall. What's that? Bull's gall. Uh, um, bile from the gall of the bull. Ew. Mm-hmm. Put the mixture in a brass bowl and let it stand for nine nights. Then strain it through a cloth. Then about night time, apply it with a feather. I have no idea. It sounds almost like they're trying to make some sort of Vicks vapor rub or something for a cough. But I yeah, I, that sounds much more like it, doesn't it, with um, garlic and everything. I mean, that's what you take for a cough. No, it's for a sty. What's a sty? A sty. When you get um, a, a sort of nasty red oozy thing by your oh. eye. Oh, okay. I didn't know those. <laughs> but uh, interestingly, I chose these three because they all have modern... People have now said, yeah, it do it. It, it, it works. I would have thought, actually, after nine days, your sty is probably better anyway. But the onion, garlic, and the bull's gall all have antiseptic properties. Yeah. And you think, well, how on earth did you find that out about bull's gall? But of my, the wine contains acetic acid, which over nine days would react with the copper in the brass bowl to form copper salts, which, which oh. are bactericidal. Yeah. So, yeah, recently they've been testing it in Nottingham University and it's shown to, to be a really effective antibiotic. And it's now being investigated as a treatment for the MRSA bug. I was just about to say there's another yeah. one that they have found actually cures and kills MRSA. It's horse poop. Oh, right. People used to put horse manure on their cuts and infections and it would work. And a research article came out, oh gosh, this is probably eight or nine years ago, that somebody decided to go ahead and test it, and sure enough, it kills MRSA. Wow. Well, we're going to have to start relying on these things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because antibiotics are going out the window. But isn't that fascinating? So they, I always thought, like, why on earth would you put poop on a cut? 
but it actually works. Yeah, and the fact that they've in this one they've put the wine in a in a brass bowl. Yeah, and actually, did they made... know it would make a difference? I have no idea. And how do they how do they find this out? How do you test it? Who was the first Mm. person that equated? I left the wine in there for a very long time, and when I put it on this, it took care of it. Yeah. Why did I? Why would I? Why would you stick wine in your eye? I mean, it's yeah. (laughs) I don't know. And and if you remove any of those things, does it stop working? I don't know. I don't know. They also use crushed worms to get rid of bruises. Hmm. Don't know why. Don't think I'll be doing that. No. Poor little worm. Neat. And, okay, my very last one. Was it? How many have you got then? I've only got six, and you took one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I might go for a different one then. I'll ignore those two and go for this one. Okay. (laughs) What is a woman's appeal And why is it her only independent legal option? Right. So we're not sex appeal. It's legal. Mm -hmm. It's something in court. Mm -hmm. Is it the way she can... Is it the only way she can get justice without having to go through her father or husband or brother or yes and no right bit more specific than that is that justice against them against brother and father and no ah so Hmm. don't know then a woman's appeal is when she takes the person who killed her husband to court oh and the only reason that or the reason why that's the only legal action she can take independently is because once you're married, your husband is supposed to represent you. You can't appeal to him anymore. Mm. So you have to appeal directly to the court. What is Right. Once well, a widow has many more rights and then, legal aspects yeah. than, a, than a wife or a, or a maiden. Yes. But any other appeal, she has to get a brother or a father or another man to take it to court for her. This is the only one that she herself can take to court by mm. herself. What I did find odd is that you can take them to court, but you don't get any money. The court gets the <laughs> money. And the woman has to pay to do so. Mm. So you have to be really angry and vindictive to spend the money to not get anything except for him to pay a fine. Or and that's go what to prison. Happen. Well, it depends. Would he Women... go to prison? They don't really went for prison, did they, particularly? They'd go into prison during the time period until they were executed. Executed. Yeah. But yeah. the rich people where most of these appeals came to, it would be like um, somebody wealthy taking over a castle and killing her husband who was defending the castle. She could take them to court under an appeal, and then they would mm. be fined by the crown. So she doesn't actually get anything. No, oh, sorry. So we're back on murder again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we should have vetted these questions more carefully, shouldn't we, for Christmas? <laughs> well, I was trying to find stuff that neither one of us had heard of before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fascinating. Wow. <laughs> okay, last question then. Where am I describing? I do it in, in, in a series of clues and you can stop me when you think you know the answer. Okay. 
It was situated on the south bank of the Thames, about nine miles upstream from the Palace of Westminster. Okay. It was built as part of Henry V's The King's Great Work. I keep thinking the Palace of Richmond, but it's not. It now lies under the fairway of the 14th hole of the Royal Mid-Surrey Golf Course. That's not going to help me. (laughs) No, it's not. It housed 40 monks of the Carthusian Order. Was it a monastery? It's sort of, yeah, that sort of thing. Like a hermitage kind of thing, a cave? No. Cardinal Pole trained there. We haven't come across him yet, but we will next season. It's a school? Nope. Henry VII renamed the area in which it was situated. I'm never going to get this. <laughs> you will, the last question at least. James IV of Scotland might be buried there. I don't know. Christopher Erswick left them a bequest. We're not talking about Westminster Abbey, are we? No, we're not. And Perkin Warbeck went there after he jumped out of the window. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was one time we seemed to come across it in virtually every episode. It's Sheen Priory. Sheen Priory. Yeah, there just seemed to be every, (laughs) about two or three episodes. You think, hang on a minute, we we were talking about this last time. (laughs) (laughs) I would never have gotten that. (laughs) No, I must admit, I would have been hard pressed until I got to the Perkin Warbeck. It's very sad to think it's under a golf course now. Yeah. I wonder, like, is it intact or just the foundations are under the golf course? I've just, I don't think they, I don't think you can see anything. A cellar or something. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, all thanks to Henry VIII. Thank you, Henry. Bless him. Bless him. (laughs) So, thank you. Thank you for listening. We have covered excrement, (laughs) demembering people. Murder? Going to court because of de- <laughs> the murder. <laughs> oh. And spies. <laughs> there was wine in there. <laughs> yeah, there was wine and 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 Craft Father Christmas. <laughs> so mm. what more could you want? <laughs> well, we could end with the fact that I have taken on a new hobby and I hobby now or hobby 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 I right. love my husband he's not going anywhere uh a hobby and yeah. I now spin wool and Ooh. in the Tudor tradition I am decorating it so I don't use it over the Christmas holidays although I'm really upset about doing that actually <laughs> I'll knit instead but yeah I have a spinning wheel Ooh. I also bought a loom yeah yeah Elizabeth I'm calling her Elizabeth yeah. My my loom, she was mm-hmm. a donated loom to the Spinner and Weavers Guild to specifically to teach new weavers when the woman passed away who owned it. And they it, she needs some refurbishment, so I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be restoring her. So they got a new one to teach new people, and I got her, and there's a little plaque with the woman's name who donated it, and her name was Elizabeth, so my loom is now called Elizabeth. Very nice. Yeah, that's something nice to leave off with. Yes, you're going to have to come out keeping sheep. Yes, I need sheep. <laughs> I want sheep. Yes. <laughs> mm, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, my spinner 
My spinning wheel will be decorated today at the end of today because it is December 2nd. Mm. Time for Christmas decorations. Yes, I suppose so. Try and drag them out from under the bed <laughs> see what we got. That's a great way to end. <laughs> so, I made it happy. <laughs> same, same old Christmas decorations that uh, I don't. I don't like buying new Christmas decorations. I feel they ought to be the ones that you've had for decades. Oh, see, I don't ideally. buy them. I make them. Mm, well, I mean, that's what they are. They're the ones that the kids made when yeah. they were young. And so every Christmas, make yourself an ornament. And use that. Or I just did um, placemats and a table runner. Quilted a placemat, placemats and a table runner. So those are, I've got one more to finish the binding, and I've got new stuff for this Christmas. I try to do something every year. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a step up from murder and yeah, school, isn't it? Yeah. Good. Although I did buy really, 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 really cheap ornaments for the tree. Because I've got a new cat in the house and I don't know what he's going to do with the Christmas tree. So I thought I could destroy those rather than the Christmas ornaments my mom made. I don't want mm. him destroying those. So, yeah. 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 So do something fun for yourself this year. Yes. Do a Christmas puzzle. Yes, I've still got Henry VIII left over from last year. That's got his face and face on the outside bit, and that's as far as it got. It always seems too decadent to do a jigsaw when it's not between Christmas and New Year. That's the time for jigsaws. Yeah, I, I like to do Christmas-themed jigsaw puzzles too. The great big, like fifteen hundred pieces. Mm. Put those out on the dining room table. They act as a decoration and something to do. Mm. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll leave you to make your Christmas decorations and quilt your table runners. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else should tell us what they're doing for Christmas. Yes, I'd love lovely. to hear, especially yeah. traditions. What traditions does your family have? Mine, obviously, is to make Christmas things during Christmas. But what what does everybody else do? What do you do, Lucy? What's your tr- family tradition? Um we start with the, we start with the stockings and yeah. try and drag that out as long as we possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because otherwise the day goes quite quickly and suddenly you're left with the rest of the day and you think, well, I've, we've done everything now. Um, <laughs> then I make it, we make everyone go for a walk. <laughs> and we say that's the dog's Christmas present. Aww. And then we come back and open the presents under the tree. You don't sing Christmas carols or have a lovely dinner? Well, then, then we then we have dinner. I, I, I sneak into the kitchen and I didn't last year because I had I put my back out and everybody else did the cooking, which oh, was quite yeah. nice, really. <laughs> <laughs> I sat there with a hot water bottle at my, my jumper. Um, yeah, everyone else did the cooking. Yes, my daughter's, daughter was amazed at my son's cooking. He said, she, he even makes sprouts look good. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very good cook. Nice. Um, and then we have to watch Bugsy Malone. My daughter insists we all sit down and watch Bugsy Malone. Every year. Every year. My husband does How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original, (laughs) every year. Yeah. I don't have a Christmas movie tradition. We watch a bunch of them. I I usually try and do the cooking when it's Bugsy Malone because I have seen it quite a few times now. (laughs) I do admit one of my favorites to do crafting to during Christmas is actually White Christmas with Bing Crosby. I don't think I've ever seen that. I love that movie. You should watch it. Oh, watch it this year. I'll add it year. to the list. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that is probably the most um, 
tame, lovely, nobody dies in it movies for Christmas. Because <laughs> some of them are really, really sad. Some of them are quite dark. The ones for children are often very dark. Yes. I remember we went to see Babe in the City okay. on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And that was a horrible film. Oh, Absolutely don't watch that then. Horrible. Watch right. And Christmas. we had a we had a car accident on the way home. Not a serious one, but a bump. And um, I think it was because um, my then partner was traumatized by Babe in the City. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I would seriously recommend people do not watch that film. It is so I keep unpleasant. Lifting up this episode. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think I'm the Grinch that stole Christmas. <laughs> Give it back. We've only better stop now before I launch into sound. Don't get me started about Christmas. Well, I hope for everybody that they have a lovely, warm, full of friends and family that they like. Yeah. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. Yes. And don't. Oh, I nearly, I nearly ruined it again by saying don't, try not to get stuck in the, the train strikes that are happening over Christmas. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm stopping now. I'm not going to say another <laughs> word. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. And see you in the new year. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>